Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. And now a word from our sponsor. Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball is here, and the NBA playoffs are right around the corner. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. So head to the website, betonline.ag, and use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Everybody, welcome to another version of Bill Roden on Sports. Uh, Post March Madness, I'm Bill Roden here uh, in New York State. Finally, I drove back from Indianapolis in the Final Four. Just had the results of my COVID test. Uh, looks like I was COVID free. Yeah, but anyway, but I will talk about that experience later. There's 27 media, you know, which is almost like I don't know, 200 less than they normally are, uh, print media. So right. that was kind of bizarre. Um, but, uh, yeah, but we could talk about that, you know, great, great Final Four, both men's and women. Yeah. You know, it's really, really cool. Joining me today is my friend and colleague down in Brooklyn. How would you guess with a hat on? Uh, Jamal Murphy. Murph. What's up, Bill? What's up, Kyle? I'm good. Um, you know, just a uh, lot, lot going on. Even, you know, even after the Final Four, a lot's going on in terms of um, hiring of coaches. We've seen a kind of surprising number of, of uh, Black coaches that were that have been already hired this cycle. So that's kind of, I'm kind of uh, been focusing on that uh, at the moment. I, you know, I, I think it's, it's promising on its face and, you know, we'll see. Yeah, well, here to help us decode that is a friend of the show, uh, Kyle Dudley who's the head basketball coach at the Salisbury School in Connecticut and also the head uh, head tennis coach uh, as well. Um, you know, tennis coach, you know, he, he won the title, what, won the conference a couple of seasons pre-COVID. Mm. So now, you know, he's getting ready to enter, you know, see a lot of expectations. Uh, anyway, what's going on, Kyle? How are you doing? Doing well, doing well. You know, we were able to get in uh, a 13-game uh, basketball season that just finished, uh, you know, a few weeks ago, you know, w- which was great. Obviously, you know, there are a lot of schools, you know, college, prep school, high school that, that weren't able to play. So, you know, we're re- really fortunate to be able to get 13 games together. And, uh, you know, now we're in uh, tennis season, getting ready to play our first matches uh, this upcoming weekend. And, uh, you know, also teaching in the classroom. Like, you know, I teach history, civil rights history, and uh, including $40 million slaves. So uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's it's been exciting. It's been a good year in terms of getting through all of, you know, the the hardships that and challenges that COVID has uh, presented. And, um, you know, we're, we're, we're almost, you know, through the last trimester here of the school year. And, um, you know, so doing well and uh, ready to talk some college hoops. I really enjoyed the tournament. So, 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 so Kyle, uh, you know, you, you were keeping me abreast of all the changes. Almost Kyle was giving me like a play by play, like every hire. Um, 
now that I guess it's kind of mostly over, what what did you think of this hiring cycle? You know, Jamal had mentioned he was kind of cautiously optimistic. Uh, what what did you think of the conversation? Somebody, you know, you coached at Middle, you played at Middlebury, you were assistant coach at Middlebury. Now you're a head coach at uh, Salisbury School Prep School, Connecticut. What what did you think of, of the hiring cycle? Yeah, you know, well, I I followed it. I've been following it very closely. I, you know, I, I think I, I try to follow it every every year, and especially in in uh, college basketball, NBA, NFL, and and college football, and and really when those cycles happen. And um, you know, it, it's mostly over now. But you know, uh, University of Arizona, so that's a, a big job that that is currently open. Um, and you know, we'll see who get that gets that job. There's some, I think, some really good black candidates that have connections to the school. Um, you know, Miles Simon, who's a assistant for the Lakers and was the oh, yeah. best player on that team that led them to their only national championship, I think is a, a name to keep an eye on. Um, but I, I've, all, I've also been, I think I would say, you know, cautiously optimistic. Um, you know, I've been really just, um, you know, encouraged that, you know, I, I think the majority of the openings have gone to, uh, you know, black candidates, um, you know, Hubert Davis, Getting the UNC job was obviously the, the the top job and one of the best jobs um, in the country, and 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 certainly one of the best jobs you know uh, I think a black coach has gotten in college basketball um, you know in 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 quite some time um, you know and uh, but you know some of the other ones that I was also encouraged with you know Mike Woodson getting Indiana uh, you know it seems that program hasn't been you know a sort of prestigious program since Bobby Knight left. Uh, with the exception of Mike Davis taking him to that, um, you know, national championship runner up, um, you know, they haven't really, they haven't made the final four since then, but that job still has a lot of history. Um, you know, there were, you know, um, you know, Earl Grant at uh, Boston college, um, you know, um, Minnesota and Penn state and the big 10 were filled by black coaches. Um, I thought three mid-major jobs that I thought were also really good Loyola, Chicago, um, uh, you know, Drew Valentine taking over there, just mm-hmm. reached the Sweet 16 a couple of years ago and reached the Final Four. Um, you know, I think that's a, you know, a, a really good program where he can kind of do a lot there, even, you know, as a sort of a mid-major program. Um, and then, you know, George Mason, you know, who had, you know, reached a, a Final Four, you know, um, a little bit removed from that Final Four, but still I think a very good mid-major job um as well and um you know wichita state with with the interim coach um you know coaching the season getting them to the ncaa tournament and then getting the contract extension um but but the list has been has been long when you talk about division one head coaching hirings um and i think when i talked to you about this bill you said is it is it a a movement or a moment and i think that's a great question in that are we going to continue to see this progress next year's hiring cycle the year after's hiring cycle um, you know, I think two jobs to really keep our eyes on in the next five years, Duke and Syracuse, two of the top jobs with, you know, Coach K right. and Bayheim, you know, being, you know, you know, m- maybe closer to retirement. You know, I, I think evidence of, a, of also a, 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 a movement is, you know, Duke, which is maybe the best job in the country. You know, will a black coach get that job? Syracuse. Um, another really big time job. So I think those are jobs to kind of keep our eyes on as well as the current opening with university of Arizona. Um, But I think there clearly has been a focus in in making sure black candidates get, um, you know, you know, these well-deserved opportunities. 
Um, you know, I think a lot of athletic departments lack diversity. In some cases, don't have any black coaches. And, and it seems like, you know, they at least maybe they are going to start uh, starting to address that and the importance of that. Um, so I think there's a lot to be encouraged by, but I stay a little bit cautious in that is, is this, you know, 2021 and then, you know, kind of, you know, forget about it. Many, you know, black uh, qualified candidates who deserve their chance to be in a position of power in these athletic de departments. Uh, will they continue to get their chance and will they get their chances at the athletic director position? as well, which I think is really important. And I think that hasn't, ha you know, that hasn't happened yet. Um, but another thing to really keep our eyes on here. What do you think, Jamal? I mean, you, you, you written, you wrote a lot about this during the tournament. I mean, you wrote, wrote a lot about it uh, before the tournament, but you wrote a lot of pieces about the hiring of coaches and all that. What's your sense? I know you spoke to Leonard Hamilton for an upcoming piece for the undefeated. What's your, what's your sense of this? Uh, you know, take from what Kyle says, you think this is a movement, a moment? Uh, and I guess the other thing, how important, you know, you mentioned Duke and Syracuse, how important is for these guys to win, you know? <laughs> well, well, with that, the last question, it's very important uh, for these guys to win. I mean, even coaches themselves, I mean, Don Staley has said that, you know, a lot of it is about the key is really success. Like we got to, like, you know, she always speaks in terms of, you know, us black coaches, we got to come in prepared. She's almost coaching up the young black coaches. It's like, you know, you got to come in here prepared, ready to go because you, the, the name of the game is winning. And especially for us, um, if we're going to get rehired um, and, and, you know, you're gonna, and more of us are going to get hired, it's, it's going to come down to winning. So she's always preaching, uh, you know, coaches being prepared and, and working as hard as they absolutely can. Um, as far as whether this is a movement or a moment, it's at least a small movement. It's at least a movement in time right now, uh, which is significant because just of the of the numbers. When I was when I was looking at this, um, yeah, I, I had known that um, you know I had seen oh you know there's, there's more black coaches than than I'm used to seeing uh, being hired in in early in this cycle. So I knew there was some uh, you know success there. But then when I really looked, I, I was surprised by how many really. And the num and the numbers, you know, from my uh, tabulation was twenty-two of the forty Division One head coaching hires, you know, as of April eighth, have been black wow. uh, on the men's side. Seven of twelve in the Power Five, seven, so seven of the twelve hires in the Power Five, and plus the Big East were black. And on the women's side, it was similar. Uh, the women's side was about six out of ten of the new coaching hires were black women. Well, no, we're, we're black. Five, five of the 10 were black women. And two of the three uh, power five women's coaches hires were black. So um, to me, it's very significant, at least right now, as far as, as, you know, is it a movement as we move forward? Only time will tell. But even if, even if it's not, this is still significant because there was, there was such a large number of coaches, you know, given given uh, these opportunities. Now, now everything. There are still arguments to be made, um, you know, in terms of caution. Uh, you know, a lot of these black coaches uh, were, you know, a few of them were assistants at high major uh, schools, and they had to take low level jobs. Uh, one that comes to mind is is uh, Nate James at Duke. Uh, he was he was an assistant under Coach K for about twelve years. Um, 
and he took the Austin P job. When you compare that to Wojciechowski, um, when he was when he was an assistant at Duke for the you know about the same amount of time, he got the Marquette job. Uh, Doug Collins was assistant for the same amount of time, got the Northwestern job. But then you know it can go both ways because I, I before I would make that a huge point. I, I, you look back further, and Tommy Amaker did get a, a really good job after being with Coach K. Uh, in, you know, I think he got the Michigan job was his first job. Seton Hall, I think was it Seton Hall, Hall or Michigan? Maybe it was Seton Hall. Seton Hall then Michigan, I think. And then um, uh, Johnny Dawkins got the Stanford job. I think was the job he got coming out of Duke. So, you know, you can't re- you can't re- strictly make that argument that it's just just based on race. You know, when you look at it like that. Yeah. You know, do you guys think that you know, Kyle? You had mentioned uh, athletic directors, black athletic directors. Uh, but most of these people who were hired were hired by white ads, right? So, um, and, and in fact, it was the UCLA ad who's black, uh, Martin Jamon, said that he made, he made a good point in that. So, well, you know, it shouldn't just be black ads who hire black. It should be, you know, the white ads should should deal with diversity. You know, so how important? I mean, you know, do you think it is to have either a black ad in power? Or is it just important that whoever is in power looks around and does the right thing and just, and just, you know, you can't have, you know, you can't have in this in 2021, just have like no black coaches, but you know. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think it's uh, extremely important that, you know, like you said, uh, white athletic directors, schools with white athletic directors and white, you know, presidents, are going to be the ones that are going to have to hire, you know, the, you know, black head coaches because, you know, they're the overwhelming number. Um, and it, it just, it just seems like, you know, I, I don't know, is it like all of a sudden it's like, okay, well, you know, we need to have some diversity in our department. You know, our, our department has been all white or mostly white for, you know, decades. And, you know, is it just now where it's like, okay, you know, we need to make sure, you know, we're looking to diversify our, our, our department and, um, you know, I, I think in terms of the, you know, athletic department, basketball and football, um, you know, ha- have a lot of qualified candidates because they make up a lot of those former players who then um, get into coaching. Here's something you didn't know about me. I told myself I'm going to dominate 2021. As soon as 2020 ended, I took a good look in the rearview mirror and I said, F you. 2021 for me is all about self-care and love, which means I'm focusing on being happy and feeling relaxed. Mental clarity is the first step to my better life, which is why I've been taking down Sunday scary CBD gummy bears like candy. When my mind starts racing or I need to decompress, I simply pop two gummies and in 20 minutes, I'm in max relaxed mode. And there's no risk to buy. The company offers a 100% lifetime money back guarantee. If the product's not for you, that's okay. You'll get your money back. Sunday scaries in the stress relieving business, not the stress causing business. I got you 25% off to prove it. Visit sundayscaries.com and use my promo code BROS, B-R-O-S, for your discount. That's promo code BROS, B-R-O-S, for 25% off at sundayscaries.com. They're effing amazing and you won't regret joining their squad. Well, that right, yeah, you're right. Yeah, the talent pool. You're right, Kyle. I mean, in football, basketball, there's just absolutely no excuse 
right? You've just got a dime. I mean, you got, you've had black players, you know, like the last three decades, really being this dominant force in these big schools. So you can't say, well, where are they? <laughs> you know, we don't, we don't have any, you know. So what do you, so, so Colin, and, and what do you, what happened? Was it, do you think it was George Floyd? Do you think it was just this year of the pandemic, the, the, the murders? I think what, it's what do you very think? possible that, that, that George Floyd um, and the reaction to, you know, the video of, of, of his murder, you know, the, that trial is going on right now. Um, but the, I don't, there seems to be a lot of at least discussions, legislation that's been passed on, you know, things like, um, you know, police reform and criminal justice. But I do think also in, in corporate America, there, there, there's been a big shift just sort of in the last year and last few months, you know, several corporations have spoken out um, about that new voting rights, um, uh, the, the new voting bill in Georgia. You know, it, it seemed like it used to be corporations didn't get involved in that stuff. Um, and, 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 you know, many, you know, obviously Delta and Coca-Cola and Major League Baseball, you know, you know, have, have, have gotten involved, um, you know, in that discussion. So I, I do think uh, from a corporate standpoint, there, there's definitely, um, you know, been a shift. Um, and, you know, it seems like corporate America is sort of, a, a, you know, evaluating, you know, the, the, the diversity that they have. Um, and but, you know, in terms of the coaches, it just it's just like, why, you know, why is it taking so long? You know, we, we've said it, you know, there, you know, there's a large, large pool of very, very qualified black coaches in football and basketball. And, you know, I'm really glad that, you know, college basketball, they're, they're getting these opportunities. Like we've talked about, you know, Jamal, you said 22 of the 40. I mean, that's that's great. And and I'm excited about it. Uh, but yeah, I do think that there's been somewhat of a shift in, in you know, in corporate America and, um, you know, th this coaching cycle, it absolutely should be a sustained movement because these qualified candidates, you know, are, are, are all are going to be there, um, you know, in, 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 in basketball for sure. Yeah. I almost feel like, um, you know, especially in college basketball, the fact that, that the, the percentages of black head coaches was so low that's like a shining a bright shining light of racism you know it's like I mean, you don't there's, there's, a, there's a, there are a few better examples of racism than that because of the pool because the pool is so large and the fact that they had taken advantage of the pool on the assistant coach level to the point where you had 50 basically a 50 50 50 percentage wise split between black and white assistant coaches so black people were getting opportunities at that level but as soon as you go to the head coaching level which is why everybody gets involved in most people become assistants to become a head coach anyway you know but only only white people were getting an opportunity to really be head coaches so that was just i mean it was it's a ridiculous situation and and it's like uh bill in, in i think it was one of your articles, I think it was the Kelvin Sampson article uh, where he said, you know, he, where he's quoted as saying, you know, it's not a great thing that they're high. They're not, you know, it's not a great thing. They're high. Right. It's just the right thing. Right. right. He, he said, let's not, let's not throw a parade. Right. You know I mean? This, this is what you're supposed to be doing, you know, but you know, I guess the thing, you know, white supremacy and all that on the way back from Indianapolis, uh, I was listening to two audio books, uh, Isabel Wilkerson's book called Cast. And uh, this other book by this former West Point, I called uh, Robert E. Lee and Me. White guy, but he was basically said how his whole thing, he'd grown up in you know, Virginia, went to the military academy, 
Robert E. Lee was like his hero and honoring the Confederacy and all that. And I guess he had this epiphany. He said, damn, what, what did I do? You know, but in telling these stories, you know, he's talking about growing, you know, uh, his father coached in Georgia. And he, you know, and, and all he, he traced the whole history of how white people would just um, uh, to get around integration, would create academies. And then he would go back into the, I mean, how, in, in just in Georgia, uh, how the extent to which white people boldly would talk about, no, the white man needs to be, you know, on top. We are the superior, I mean, and it was just so deeply ingrained, this whole thing of white supremacy. So then, you know, you hear about this and they were talking about the voting and what they would do over the years to like, you know, and, and you see, man, this stuff has never stopped. Yeah. It's just never stopped. And even reflecting into uh, a basketball where their philosophy, the, the, the white supremacist, is that, yeah, you're supposed, black people are supposed to be the labor. That's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to be the labor. We, meaning white people, are supposed to be the, you know, the, the brains and head coaches and all that. So I'm just wondering, where this stuff is so deeply ingrained in certain minds that, right, you and I and Jamal and Kyle, we're talking about the right thing. But there's another group of people who said, no, the right thing right. is the white thing. I mean, that, that's the way it's supposed to be. And that's what I was, I was, you know, I was thinking about that to, you know, earlier today, just in general, just, you know, watching the news and, and politics and all that. I mean, it's really, you know, there's a, the reason why, you know, we still, this society is still like this. And we're still living in racist societies because a large percentage of society feels like this is how it should be. Exactly. You know, like this, this is America and America was built, you know, on the backs of, of black labor because they were, you know, we treated them lesser and we, and us white people were privileged and that's how it should have been because this, this is how this is the cut. This is our country. So right. yeah, that, right. it's so hard to change that. So yeah, I agree with, as far as the coaches are concerned, I think a lot of it is the whole George Floyd, uh, you know, the entire George Floyd movement, what came out of that um, coaches will tell you, you know, this is happening because, because we've been screaming about it for years. So it's, it's about time that, you know, you know, if it took George Floyd, fine, you know, we'll, you know, whatever it takes, you know, we're just happy that we're seeing some movement now. Now, and, and there's a, also a reason why all of us are skeptical of, about whether it will continue in the future, because as you just said, Bill, you know, this, we're, this is America and we know how, we know how a lot of people feel. Uh, this could just be a blip to, to make us happy. We've seen this in the past. Right. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's like it's like the uh, you know the the quotation that Bill that we talk about that I guess we, we don't know exactly who uh, authored it, but you know the to those accustomed to privilege, equality can feel like oppression. Right. Um, you know, I, I know you have that side. I have that side in my uh, in my classroom now, and um, I think there's a lot. Oh, it's made it's made it to your classroom now. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> We're bringing it now, you know, when we talk about, you know, after Brown versus Board of Education and, um, you know, how, you know, the, the reaction to, well, you know, integrating the schools, you know, you, the, it, there was so much pushback to it because they're like, you know, we're used to it being a certain way. We're used to our schools being all white. And now it seems like we're giving up like way too much by allowing, 
you know, this 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 integration of our of our schools. And I, I just brought that up because it came, you know, I think to the, the point you were you guys, we were talking about um, in terms of, yeah, I mean, you know, the, the way it's been, like, you know, like it's been a certain way. So now that, you know, if, if there's a shift in, in terms of opportunities, you know, for for black people, you know, for for a lot of, you know, for I think for a lot of, you know, white America, it's like, whoa, you know, like like this is a, this is, you know, the, too much because it's always right. been, you know, a certain way in terms of the power structure. That's right. That's right. That that you're right. The quote is when you when you're accustomed to privilege, and just think about what you do when you're accustomed to privilege, equality feels like oppression because you're saying, wait a minute, you know, it's like you know, it's like, and it is, it is, you know, um, perception is reality. You know, it is oppression to them based on based on what what how they've been living previously. You know, and we're talking about this is the way the country is. The country is like that for a reason because that's how people wanted it and have wanted it and still want it. Right. right. So I, I guess the the you know I, I suppose and 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 in listening to these. Um, audiobooks, you know, about caste systems and things. It, 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 what came to me is that uh, each generation of our ancestors, mothers and fathers, grandmothers, grandfathers, great great, there was a degree of courage that it took for them to fight. When you think of, you know, the Ku Klux Klan, all these groups that were designed to terrorize, intimidate, you know, and all that stuff. So I guess what I'm thinking that, okay, this struggle is never going to end. So, you know, uh, my generation got to fight, you know, got to keep fighting. Your generation has to keep fighting. I mean, when you listen to this stuff, it's like every single generation of black folks, you know, people who were jailed, who were beaten, who had to have the courage to like keep going. And, and you just can't stop because, you know, I mean, you look at, you know, January 6th, that's the latest, the latest example. Of people say no, it's like the same kind of terrorism, and you know the Georgia voting law. The Georgia voting law. I mean, yeah, I mean it's like there's a consistent thing that it's not going to stop, so we can't stop, you know. And I just hope that whether it's the black coaches, you know, yeah, the real this stuff, you know, it's like okay, now it's your turn, it's your time. But the fight has to, you know, in my generation, the struggle continues. And it used to, we used to, you say, yeah, the struggle continues. When you get older, oh, yeah, right. The struggle continues. You know, it, it can't, it's, it's not a cliche. But I also think it it, it comes back, it, that's why it goes back to your original uh, question or statement about, you know, that the black coaches have to be successful. Um, yes. Because this is not, you know, we know from experience that this is not really something uh, that, that, society wants to do like get, give black people give black people positions of power so when it does happen um you almost have you have to be pretty much almost overwhelmingly successful to make sure that this continues because if there's if there's any kind of crack it will be exploited yeah yeah, yeah. i think that was you know it's really big you know Ju you know juan howard in michigan you know getting the number one seed you know, making the run to the elite eight, you know, I, you know, I think, you know, was, you know, was rooting for him and that program to get to the, you know, to the final four. I think they still had a great run. And since he's been there, you know, you know, they, they've, they've had a, you know, a short time, but they've, they've had a lot of success and, 
you know, Leonard Hamilton. It seems like every year he's like right there in the Sweet 16. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you know, hasn't gone to that to that final four. But, you know, I think it's important that Davis is is really successful now. I mean, I think all eyes are going to be on him in, in a program where the expectation is national championships. You know, Williams won Roy Williams won three national championships while he was there. Um, you know, you know, I think, you know, that's the, you know, that's the expectation. I think Howard, you know, get into the final four, you know, cause um, you know, uh, um, you know, Balin before him got to, you know, got to two final fours, two uh, national um, uh, championship games, um, you know, that they were runner ups in, uh, you know, Kelvin Stampson getting that Houston team to the final four, you know, that, I think that was really important and a great run Houston's first final four, you know, right. Since the eighties with, um, <laughs> <Elijah> <laughs> So I, I agree that, you know, it's important to win. I think another one, you know, Drew Valentine and Loyola Chicago. You know, Loyola Chicago with, you know, um, you know, got to the 316 this year, you know, what was it three years ago, got to the final four. There's pressure there, you know. You know, it's still, you know, Loyola Chicago, and there's not a history of winning national championships, but you better get to the NCAA tournament there, you know, at, you know, if, if, if you're Drew Valentine, because then they're going to be like, well, this other guy, you know, he was getting us consistently – not just the NCAA tournament and winning games. So I think the importance and, and in Valentine is, yeah. and Valentine is only 29. Yeah. yeah. He's young, <laughs> but, you know, he, he's got to be ready to, you know, get him, you know, as like, tournament, you know. It's like, you know, Jackie yeah. Robinson. You know, uh, you know, Jackie Robinson, well, he had to be successful. Right. You know, uh, right. Joe Lewis had to be successful. Um you know, I remember Eddie Robinson was telling, uh, you know, James Shaq Harris back in when he got drafted, said, you have to succeed. You know, he told Tate Younger, who's, you know, from Grambling, who was going to the NFL, said, you have to succeed. And somebody made the point to me that that's a pressure that a lot of white guys that their white peers do not have. Right. In other words, you know, a, a white peer does not have to worry about, you know, well, if I fail, then they're not going to hire white people anymore, right. you know. Right, you know, right. whereas with a with a with a, a black head coach, you know, that's a very real thing that if you, you know, uh one of the people I interviewed, uh he said when he first got the job, uh one of the, the well-known uh, uh players from the program called him and said, I'm I I'm gonna support you, but I gotta tell you, you gotta do well because if you do not well, if you don't do well, there's not gonna be another black person here who's gonna get in a position of power. Yeah. And so, the guy so, saying that's not my white colleague doesn't have to worry, you know, he doesn't have to worry about that. Right. No. And, and yes, that kind of pressure. And even, you know, from talking to to a lot of the coaches, the, the black coaches I talked to, a lot of the, the at least the elder statesmen were saying, um, you know, kind of like their message was, you know, I really want the younger guys to make sure they're prepared and and, you know, they're working, you know, they're, they're working as hard as they can. You can't, you know, I just felt some, and at the time when I'm hearing this, I kind of felt like, wow, isn't that, isn't that undue pressure or, are, you know, are you, are you yourself treat, you know, treating black people differently? Like saying that, you know, they need to be more prepared or that you're worried about them not being prepared. But, but, but no, I think, like you said, it's, it's really about that pressure that these coaches already have been through the one, the successful black coaches, they know that they, they had to work, you know, as the cliche goes, you know, I had to work twice, three times as hard uh, than anybody else would. And and not just for yourself, you're working, 
to, to make sure that the people behind you have the same opportunity. So I think it's, you know, at first when I, when I heard that, I'm like, wow, you know, isn't this, un, isn't this unfair pressure? But, but no, it's just, it is what it is. It's a reality. It's a reality. Right. And women, and women have the same, uh, some of the same type of pressure, you know, um, if, if they're in a position that was previously held by male, by man or something like that, right. that, you know, they're, they're hold to that, they're, they're held to that kind of standard too. So yeah, that's, that's real. Spring is here. Summer's around the corner. So you know what that means. It's time to break out those sunglasses and it's time to make your outdoor experiences better with Canon. Canon sunglasses are made exclusively with polarized lenses for optimal clarity. They're made with Japanese optics that make their lenses clearer, lighter, and stronger, and Italian handcrafted frames that are impossible to scratch. Use the exclusive code KANONCAST15 at canon.com to receive 15% off on your first pair. That's KANONCAST15, K A E. N-O-N-C-A-S-T-15. Canon, clearly better. What'd you guys think of the final four? Uh, of, of, of both, both the men's and the women's. I thought, uh, obviously, pulling for Elvin Sampson, but Baylor was just rough, man. Ba you know, Baylor was tough. And then Arizona, I was pulling for the sister who coached Arizona. They had a great run. But again, Stanford was just, would not be denied. What, what'd you guys... Uh, uh, what do you guys think of the final four of both men's and women? Yeah, I mean, I, I enjoyed the tournament. You know, I enjoyed watching the final four. You know, when I was coaching Middlebury, at Middlebury you, know, I, I, you know, I went five straight years. So was used to uh, being there. I've been to two of the ones in Indianapolis. Um, you know, obviously I thought Arizona beating UConn on the women's side. You know, that was a big, big win, um, you know, for that program. And um, a national championship game that came down to the last possession, you know, with, with, with Stanford holding them off. But, you know, what an exciting tournament that was. And uh, Dawn Staley in South Carolina also came down to a last possession with, uh, with yeah. Stanford as well. So yeah. I thought, you know, that, that, you know, that final four was, you know, just, just so much fun to watch and, um, you know, great seeing, uh, you know, two black women coaches in there. Um, yeah. It's about Adia, Adia Barnes. Yep. Uh, and uh, from Arizona and uh, Don Staley. You'll see that 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 uh, Adia Barnes from Missouri is going to join John, uh, Don Staley's staff for the USA for, America for team, Cup. Team USA, right? You so know. I think yeah. that's yeah. also big because in terms of, you know, I mean, on the Team USA level, you know, I mean, you know, and Coach K had a lot of success and now there's Popovich and uh, you know, the, 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 the men's side just named Grant Hill as the new um, yeah. director of USA Basketball. So I think that's big. Uh, well, that's but Don Staley getting that opportunity, you know, was big as well, right, um, in terms of coaching the, uh, you know, the national team. Um, you know, so, so there, there, there are some more opportunities there. And um, it would be interesting to see because I think this might be Popovich's last year um, with the men, you know, you know, who are some, you know, who might be his successor as the coach there. Um, but yeah, but back, to, um, you know, also to the final four, um, yeah, you know, Baylor, uh, you know, on both ends of the floor, they were just so, so impressive. You know, I, I was thinking in terms of defense, you know, I, I would want to show some of, uh, their clips to my team in terms of, you know, pressuring the ball without fouling, um, yep. which they put on a clinic, 
a clinic. a clinic, right? And then getting from help to close out, taking away the three with high hands and also being ready to guard the drive. I mean, that was a clinic as well. I mean, you know, you, know, you just couldn't get to the paint on them. Um, and, you know, you, you weren't able to get open threes. I mean, you know, Gonzaga was five for 17 from three in the national championship, which, you know, was eight percentage points lower than their average of, you know, nearly 37% from three on the season. So Baylor's defense was just outstanding. You know, they added drama of Gonzaga going for that undefeated season, you know, for the first time since 76. Was good, but then it was sort of taken out of it, like, Two minutes into the game when Baylor's up by 15. I know. <laughs> it's not about kicking Gonzaga, you know, complete the undefeated season. It was just kicking Gonzaga, keep this game close, right? <laughs> and, people, and people forget that, you know, I mean, you know, people who, don't, who weren't watching college basketball all that closely, I get it. You know, they, the media kind of uh, created the story that it was, you know, it was about Gonzaga trying to go undefeated um, and, and that they, they were the best team all year. And that's fine. But in reality, uh, during the college basketball season, before Baylor, uh, you know, had to take a COVID pause, they were they were undefeated at the time, also playing as well as anybody. And there was a big debate whether they should really be the number one team over Gonzaga because they were undefeated with a tougher schedule. They were in the Big 12 and and they could have probably if they would ever had that COVID pause, there was a discussion whether they would have you know, undefeated. That's right. And, and, and you could tell. That these brothers were just ready, because you know, yeah, you, you have the guy like what's the guy Timmy? What's the guy? Timmy. I think that came with a little okay. two mustache and all that. And it's almost like you these cats were like, all right, all right, you know, because they just exploded on them, man. It's like it's like we could not wait. Like it's almost like they on the. I remember uh, when we had, we had uh, beaten Grambling in the first game, and. Uh, and I remember I was talking to one of their players the next game, the next year, we were playing, and it was Frank Lewis. He said they were on the bus. They were giving the bus to come say, he said, stop the bus. Just stop the bus. Let's, let's play right now. Let's play right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, damn, yeah. man, these guys were like ready for bear. And oh, you know, yeah. and I think, and but let me ask you this, this Jamal. And, and also you, Kyle, because you, I mean, you play, you play the game. I thought that. With all the now, they could have gotten their ass kicked anyway. But but the game against UCLA was a, a miracle, and they expended so much emotional energy to win that game. I just did not see how they could come back against a team like that, Baylor, with the same level of emotional furor. I don't know. Do you guys? Yeah, is I mean, there any credence to that? I you know I thought about that even prior to and and going into the game, I felt like it was actually a plus. For Gonzaga, because everybody had talked about how they hadn't had a close game, right. uh, could would they would they feel the pressure in a close game? And I felt once they overcame that, right. uh, they might even be looser for the final for the for the final game. And and I think maybe they were. I think maybe that did happen, and they were loose, but they were too loose. I think <laughs> maybe they felt after that they, that they were destined to win. You right. know what I mean? Like after after he hits that shot, he's like, "Oh, okay. Now we just got to close it out. We're good." And and they didn't really know what they were in for, in ter- in terms of how good Baylor actually was. And Baylor, like I said, you know, they after that COVID pause, really, it took them in t- up until the Final Four to start playing like they did mid season. So even going through the tournament, they didn't look all that great. They did what they had to do. They got to the Final Four, but they still weren't that team that we had seen. Uh, mid-season but then 
what they did to Houston, that was midseason Baylor yeah. form. Oh my god! Zaga, you know that was just another level. Yeah, either one of them, either one of those, they had, they didn't have a chance. Houston, yeah. had, and I thought it was like, you know, you saw the well, you know, Houston just met, but then they did the same shit to Baylor. It's even worse. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Baylor, Baylor had no shot, man. Zaga, I mean, I mean, uh, yeah. Zaga had no shot. <laughs> I mean, first four minutes, that was it. That's right. It was over, you know. But but but, Kyle, I mean, what do you think about that of them? Of them having being emotionally drained after the, the win over UCLA. Yeah, I mean I'm I'm not sure. Um I mean obviously that UCLA game game was very you know mostly draining and, and you know physically draining and went to overtime. But I, I just think back to the last tournament, you know, two years ago when when Virginia won it, they had like a bunch of overtime games leading to the right. national championship. They had a bunch of close games. So you know I, you know, I think the, the same argument could have been made for them and, you know, they, they were, they still were able to prevail. I guess I just think it's more about Baylor. What, you know, once Baylor sort of hit that, you know, you know, found their stride and, and were playing like they were, you know, before that, that pause earlier in the season, I, I just think that they were the best team and they were the better right. team. And um, I guess I think it was more about them and I'm not sure it would have mattered had, Gonzaga blown out UCLA or played a game that was a comfortable win, you know, not overtime game. I guess right. I just don't think it would have mattered just with how Baylor was playing at that time. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I mean, that's always a good sports cliche. You know, they were emotionally drained as opposed to no, it, it wouldn't matter. I think Baylor, <laughs> I think Baylor emotionally drained them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right, right, right. Uh, what are you guys looking forward to? Um, uh, just so as we wrap it up here uh, um, about the, the draft, um, are you guys excited about the uh, the draft uh, uh, coming up? It's a good draft. First of all, there's a lot of young. There's lots of young talent. Um, you got you got Cade Cunningham. Uh, he, people expect kind of expect him to be the number one pick. I think there'll be some back and forth. You got Evan Mobley at USC. You got Suggs, who you know. He up he upped his profile during the NCAA tournament. I think those are the top three. It seems like you got kids that went to that went to the G League. You got a couple of kids who went straight to the G League who are supposed to be about top five. Right. So that's an interesting thing too. Like you know, it's showing that kids can go to the G League uh, and still be a top five pick. So will that siphon off more kids in the future? So that's an interesting storyline. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to the draft. I think it's a deep draft. Again, it's going to be one of those young. Young drafts, a lot of freshmen um, in it, um, but a lot of talent. A lot of talent is out there, uh, so a lot of teams will will uh, get better. Yeah, yeah. Kyle, do you focus on that? I know you. I know you focus on recruiting because you're a college. You're you're a coach, so you, you know, you you got you're, you're you're recruiting the other way. You're trying to get <laughs> Don't kids go to from high school. You know, looking for that fifth year tennis player. So. I guess you you that's your your focus is not the draft. You got your own draft, right? Basically, yeah. During the spring and summer, you know, you you know, it's 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 certainly recruiting season, and you know, trying to find players to join, um, you know, my program, and um, you know, excited to build on uh, the season we had this year. Um, but um, I always look forward to the NBA draft. Uh, you know, um, you know, I think 
Jamal hit on some of the really big names, you know, and I think that, you know, Suggs was someone who really improved his stock throughout the college season and especially in the NCAA tournament. But there's also guys in the G League that are going to be drafted high. We just saw last year LaMelo Ball, who, you know, you go to Lithuania, go to Australia, and, you know, you get drafted. And he, he was probably the favorite for rookie of the year before he got hurt. Uh, so it's, I think there's different paths to the NBA, you know, that, that these examples have, have, you know, have shown. Um, and then there's the other, you know, thing that <laughs> probably a whole other podcast, but, you know, will, you know, will players be compensated in, in, in the future? Will they be able to uh, profit off their name likeness and what that might um, do for, for college basketball and, and just sort of the different paths that you can take? uh t- to the nba um but um uh, but yeah I-, I also i think k cunningham will probably go number one and and i think suggs has probably gotten himself into that top three or top five um you know conversation for sure yeah well, that's yeah. kyle let me ask you about you know about you, you mentioned this early on um you know kind of you had a 13 game season uh now we know with the with all with what the colleges did in terms of giving giving guys an extra year of eligibility, um, I know that's affected uh, college recruiting on some levels. So that means it's, it's affected high school kids. How have you seen what's what's the effect of that college decision been on on you know seniors and whether they get recruited by colleges? How has that affected you know down the line high school kids? Oh man, um, I, I think it's made it much more difficult for high school kids and high school seniors to get recruited because the transfer portal is 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 just insane right now, and um, it, you know it seems like every you know there's like over a thousand kids or even more than that like in the in the transfer portal, and I think colleges are looking there first before they look at you know you know prep school kids and high school kids. And there's going to be, I think, sort of an effect for, you know, a number of years down the road, um, wow. you know, because there's just less recruiting spots. You know, seniors have another year of eligibility. Freshmen can essentially be freshmen again if, you know, if they want to. And so it just it just means there's just so many less spots. And I completely understand why the NCAA, NCAA did it. But, I, yeah, I think it, it does make it much more difficult um, for high school prospects, um, uh, because there's just less spots that, right. you know, that's simple. I've heard, no, I've heard personal stories of, of kids who've had their, you know, kids who were, who committed to a college as a junior and have had that scholarship pulled by wow. you know, big time universities. And they, and they told them like, Oh, we, you know, we just have too many guys right now. The, you know, people allowed to come back and reclassify. So it's, it's, it's unfortunate for the kid, for the younger kids. Yeah. I had a neighbor, uh, a neighbor son plays baseball freshman this year. He said the same thing, you know, in terms of playing time, because you had a lot of seniors who were going to, who were going to leave, who was like, no, we're going to come back. <laughs> so that pushes everything, everything back. So, I mean, what, what do you think, Kyle? I mean, you know, how would how do you think this would have affected you uh, coming out of high school? Now you were at Division Three at Middlebury, but how do you think that would have affected you? Oh yeah, I think it, it definitely affects Division Three as well because it, it's the same thing in terms of those seniors could come back for another year 
And a lot of those freshmen, you know, took the year off or, you know, you know, are keeping their eligibility. So they still have four years after this. So, it, you know, if you're, if you were going to graduate four and now you're only graduating one, you know, you're not going to bring in a freshman class of, of, of four now. So it definitely affects every level. I, I think for me, you know, it, it probably would have pushed me to, to maybe, you know, look at doing a post-grad year. So, you know, try to wow. prolong even at the high school level, your eligibility so that, you know, now, you know, you're going to be going into the recruiting process a year later. So I think at the high school level, you could see more kids like looking to reclass, looking to do a post-grad year in that, you know, trying to push their, push it back in terms of when they could go to college and, and, you know, hope that it's sort of, you know, evened out by, you know, you know, a few years from now in terms of, you know, the, you know, the, the recruiting. Um, but I think every single level, D, division one, division two, II, division three, uh, you know, what even, you know, NAIA, whatever it is, is, ex- is affected by this because that extra year of eligibility um, that, that these players essentially have um, just means that there are fewer, fewer, fewer roster spots, um, you know, that, that they need to fill um, in, in, in a lot of cases. Could you, you think that that somehow uh, could could uh, um, be a, a benefit to let's say HBCU programs that if people were desperate enough, if they saw things you know shut down, that you know you might get a a, a higher a higher quality on the bottom level. Say, yeah. hey, I'm going to go to you know Howard. I'm going to go to you know NCCU or something like that. Yeah, I think I think that's part of it. I think uh, you know because every everyone is going to get bumped down right. a certain level. Except the, the people not affected will be the top of the top prospects, like the top right. 10, top twenty guys. James White, right. right? You guys are fine, but everybody else, you know, if you could, if you were normally, uh, you know, a Big East player, you might now be a mid major. You know what I'm saying? If you were normally a mid major, like a high mid major, you might now you could be a you you might have to go to HBCU. Okay, so that so I think that does help uh, the HBCUs, and and if they if the coaches can take advantage of it, um, but you know, and hopefully in turn that ends up helping the kids. We'll see. <laughs> well, who cares about the kids? Well, I mean, I, I guess you could do that. Uh, I don't know if, if you and uh, Khalid had talked about this on on on, on the uh, uh, up next podcast, but um, you know, I wonder if you, you might say, well, hey. I'll go to a, a, one of the best, the Texas Southern, uh, NCCU, uh, one other top pro. Maybe I'll play there for two, three years after this thing blows over. Then maybe I'll transfer. Maybe even go four years and then do a post-grad year right. at, at somewhere, you know. Uh, you know. Um, yeah, I think that's possible. And especially since we, you know, luckily we started to see even prior to the, the pandemic, that people were starting to shift and turn their attention to HBCUs and kid and kids at high levels were starting to at least consider HBCUs and say they were considering HBCUs. Some HBCUs did, um, you know, McCurr Maker signed with Howard. Um, so at least it's been done. So I think I think it is something that could come 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 of all this. Yeah, yeah, and I think in terms of HBCUs also. You know, of course, you know, they were both in the playing game in the NCAA tournament, uh, but they both won, right? We had Norfolk State and Texas Southern both won. 
I think that was big uh, for their schools and for their conferences. Um, I think Howard is definitely, you know, um, a school to keep our eyes on with McCord Maker, but also, I, I, um, you know, just with, you know, Kamala Harris being the vice president and, you know, uh, you know, we, um, uh, Mackenzie Bezos and her um, oh, yeah. um, d- tens of millions of dollars in donations to many of the HBCUs. Um, I do think there's some momentum there, but but Howard seems to have it from Kamala Harris, from McCord Maker. But you know, now they gotta you know get these recruits and 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 and, and win, right? Um, you know, but but it was yeah. great to see and Texas Southern and North Norfolk State win those playing games. If there's some way to get out of that 15 seed, right? Thing is so well, unfair, you know. You know, we talked about you know a couple of these uh, HBCUs, A uh, and Hampton. You know, they, they left the league, went to the Big South. So, you know, and I know that that kind of that kind of goes both ways in terms of, you know, whether you're you're for it or against it, how you look at it. But in terms of, you know, trying to get out of that fifth, 16 seed range in the tournament, I think that might be one of the, yeah. one of the things that they were looking at. Like if we get to a better conference, uh, we, we can recruit a little better based on that. And maybe we won't. If we win that conference, we, we're probably not a 16 seed. We're like a. Uh, 14. Right. 14. You still got it. Yeah. yeah, but hey, uh, you know, remember, we did see uh, 15 seed Oral Roberts make a, yep. uh, a run. Um, and yep. um, so it seems like, you know, being on that 16 line is, is yeah. pretty much complete. 16 is just tough. I mean, you're playing the best. 16 is impossible. Yeah, right. you're playing with the best. Except for the UMBC the over Virginia. Right. But at least yeah. the 15 seed has happened a few, even 15 seed oh, yeah. Hampton, right? Yeah, and, a four, and a 14 seed seems to happen one, at least once a year. So it, it, there is a difference. Yeah, you got to get off yeah. that 16 line. got to get off that 16. <laughs> right. Well, hey, guys, we got to get off. Well, we, we, we will get off. So listen, guys, this has uh, been a great uh, March Madness conversation, uh, really insightful. Uh, I think we see, uh, you know, we, we're going to see about black coaching cycles. Uh, we'll see this time next year, you know. But I think the consensus is that, this is all well and good, but in any sport that has a scoreboard, you got to win. You know, you, you got to find a way to win, you know, and, and it may be unfair, you know, but you got to, you have to be successful, you know, uh, and uh, particularly for young, you know, black coaches. Uh, Hubert Davis, pressure's on, you know, um, so we, we will see. But anyway, listen uh, uh, to the great Kyle Dudley. Uh, best of luck this spring uh, in tennis. Speaking of got to win, you know, you got to win, you know. And, uh, of course, Jamal Murphy, that's the great thing about being sports writer. We ain't got to win. <laughs> yeah. we, can, we can talk about coaches having to win. <laughs> and then we're on to the next season. Oh, well. <laughs> Too bad for him. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, hey, Kyle, thanks so much. And I always, always enjoy having you on the show. Yes, thanks for coming, uh, yeah. Th- thanks for and, having me, uh, guys. Really uh, yeah. enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Jamal, you know, well, you're a co-host, so what can I say? <laughs> but yeah, man, but really enjoyed enjoyed your pieces that you wrote for the Undefeated uh, during the season. Uh, really, really great stuff. Thank you. So uh, now, you know, see, this is a problem, man. 
like this this period now, like the dead period. But I think we got to go out to Shea Stadium. We, I mean, we got to go out to Sydney Field. Yeah, I was trying. What else? What else is there to talk about right now? And NBA is kind of boring, at least for another month or so until the playoffs start. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Mets, I was saying NBA wise, that. we got to see is this, if, if this Brooklyn Nets team can can finally bring a championship to what New York City. What do you think? What do you think, Nets? I think they're. I think if they can get everyone healthy, you know, uh, Durant just came back. If they can get Harden healthy, they're the favorites. But I think the Lakers adding Drummond and if they you know, get healthy, I, I think that could be a great, great finals. Um, I'm, I'm I'm hoping Brooklyn can I'm hoping Brooklyn can get it done. Bring, can Brooklyn get past Can Brooklyn get past Milwaukee? If they're healthy, I think it all comes down to health for Brooklyn. And I don't. And that, that's not a good. That might not be a good. That's a big. That's a big. Yeah. yeah. I had a friend of mine text me that uh, he thinks Kevin Durant is paper mache right now. So if that's <laughs> the case, they're not they're not going to win anything. It's all about if these guys are truly healthy and can get through a whole you know playoff run. And, paper mache, I like that. <laughs> You're right. I mean, he thinks he's really fragile. Yeah, I mean, and then I'm like, I, well, it could he might be. He has to prove that he's not at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're right. And it, you know, that's the great thing about the NBA play any playoffs, like the best of seven, best of five. You know, it's not like the final four where, you know, where uh you could, you know, um uh you, you could beat UCLA on a last second shot, and then that's it. What you then you gotta come back the next day, play him again. Right. And right. play him again. Right. <laughs> Oh, yeah. All right, y'all. Well, listen, this was a great conversation. Look forward to, uh, you know, NBA stuff and, uh, you know, keep holding it down. So, Kyle, have a great, you know, enjoy the rest of the week. Uh, you know, uh, like it's a tennis, Jamal, you know, whatever you're doing in Brooklyn, you know, keep doing it. Right. And all our millions of listeners, you know, continue to, as I know it's spring and the weather's nice, but you got to be safe. You know, be careful. All right, everybody. Uh, have a great week and God bless. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.